I'm Wilson Lai, and I love The Matrix Resurrections. I'm Benjamin Yap, and I hate The Matrix Resurrections. I'm Eli Sands, and please stop fighting! (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're listening to Deep Cut. We'll see how this goes. On Deep Cut, we compare a director's most popular film with a personal favorite chosen by one of us. We'll also talk about each director's life and career to bring context that helps us view their movies as they may want us to. Today. (laughs) Oh no, he choked. (laughs) Just having a coughing fit as we begin the episode. Someone's trying to sabotage me (laughs) and we haven't even started. (laughs) The Matrix (laughs) is coming out of me. (laughs) Matrix. Matrix. Sucks. 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 (laughs) Today... For the first time, we discuss a new movie by a director we've previously covered on Deep Cut. Call it Deep Cut Upkeep. What? <laughs> you're, you're welcome for that one. It'll be a bit looser and more reactive than our standard episodes. And this is something that I think all three of us have been looking forward to doing since we started the podcast because... We all thought that it would be really fun to revisit directors that we've grown to love and appreciate through the podcast and sort of track them through their careers as our podcast continues to grow. And as it happens, and the cultural context doesn't require us to tell you anything. Yeah, when's Nick Rhodes (laughs) dropping another movie? Nick Rhodes (laughs) dropping dead. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. Sorry, that was pretty rough. (laughs) (laughs) But with this director and this movie, it is good timing because we just finished or we we planned to finish our Wachowskis um, series right before Matrix Resurrections dropped. And we took a little break and, and now we're back as did Lana Wachowski with the Matrix series. Ooh. And uh-huh. she returned in December of last year with... The Matrix Resurrections. Neo's back. Trinity's back. For some wild reason. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be quite a fruitful and interesting discussion that we're going to have. But I saw The Matrix Resurrections three times in the span of two days. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it was not like a case of... I, like, saw it once, and then I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to see it two times. It's so good. I, like, bought three tickets to see it. <laughs> um, and, and then, like, whether it was good or not, I, I would have to live with the fact that I was going to have to see it three times. <laughs> a trinity of tickets. That's a huge gamble. It is a huge gamble, but for me, it was a gamble that paid off. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. I think Lana Wachowski has stared big Hollywood in the damn face and said fuck you i'm gonna make my fucking movie and if no one fucking likes it i'd be happy with that the matrix resurrections is to me one of the most personal movies of the entire year and the fact that it is within this major blockbuster or supposed to be this major blockbuster is sort of the antidote that 
we needed this year after a decade of oversaturation of, of superhero flicks and and sort of like you could say something as a result of the initial Matrix trilogy's legacy that blockbuster cinema has ended up in this state. I also think that it is really hilarious that this movie and Spider-Man No Way Home is sort of playing in theaters at the same time. What a fascinating contrast. Yeah, It is a really fascinating contrast because No Way Home is a, honestly a really, really enjoyable movie. And I think it is a top tier what Marvel can achieve movie, but... I still felt like I was uh, like a pawn in in a <laughs> in a in a in a fucking large chess game that Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal and these like higher up execs are just fucking around <laughs> and and trying to make as much money as possible and <laughs> and churning out these machine movies to to get people like me, like dumbasses like me, to cheer in a fucking theater for actors that we probably paid millions to appear in for a couple seconds. So Go Toby, get that bread. <laughs> Do get that bread. <laughs> but a part of me felt a little saddened at the state of what cinema going has become watching um, Spider-Man in the theaters, joyfully watching Spider-Man in the theaters. And I think The Matrix Resurrections felt like something super heartfelt. Lana didn't give a shit about what people were expecting of her movie. And she just really wanted to make what she wanted to make. And reading about how this was created after Lana's own grief about her parents and a, and a best friend dying. And her working through that by bringing characters that she and her sister killed back to life. Hmm. And just using that and just the power of reclaiming these characters in this world as your own in order to just make you feel better just made me so happy for her and i'm just really glad that this this movie exists yeah so you too <laughs> go off go off oh boy <laughs> i really don't feel like i have much to say because i feel like this movie was not for me hmm. as much as i wanted to like it like i don't think i like it at all because like halfway through the movie, I was thinking, I guess this is the movie I'm getting and it's not going to change. And I'm not interested in whatever I'm being given right now. Honestly, feel very odd reading all the positive buzz from film critics about this movie and then being so confused about what Wilson and these people are seeing because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, single me out. <laughs> as far as I know... I watched what I thought was not a good movie. I just am struggling to understand the, the arguments for this movie, which I'm glad we're going to get into that because I found so much of this movie to be lacking. As much as I try to kind of bend my brain to understand it from a, okay, Lana's trying to make something that is not what you think a Matrix movie is supposed to be, which I'm like, okay, sure. Maybe I was expecting a good action movie and I didn't get it. But then what did I get? And then the thing is, I don't think what I got necessarily fulfills just being a good movie, not let alone good action movie. Because I, I just feel like the story I'm being told doesn't really make sense and is not especially interesting to me. Hmm. I really struggle with whether this movie needed to exist for me, at least. Clearly, it, hmm. like for Wilson, it has a reason for existing. But at least for me, it doesn't make sense for me to watch this. And if this movie didn't come out, it really would have made no difference to my relationship to The Matrix, hmm. honestly. Like, even after seeing it, I just kind of forgotten about it and, like, kind of left it in the back of my mind. 
I watched with a friend who's not a movie person at all. He just watches, you know, the big tentpole blockbusters, superheroes, that kind of stuff. He said something along the lines of, this movie just shat on the Matrix. I don't understand. Hmm. And he really disliked it because it was just not a good action movie. Yeah, and he as a, what we would call a lay person who was watching a movie could tell me that, oh, you know, the action in this is not as good as the action from 18 years ago or 19, 20 years ago. And I have to agree with him because that's kind of the big thing here. If this was supposed to be an action movie, it's a terrible action movie. I'm sorry. Mm. Because the action, which takes part a large chunk of the running time, is exceptionally muddy and hard to parse. And in Mm. fact, I would say it is worse than the kind of sludge that Marvel was throwing at us. Honestly, I think the Marvel stuff is more clear than this. They're not necessarily Mm. great, but they're clear as to what is going Mm. on. But then with this one, the action scenes were like the first thing on the list for me for like what's not working. If this isn't an action movie, then don't have action scenes. I'm trying not to repeat other people's arguments. I'm waiting for Wilson to kind of come up with them. (laughs) So like that's kind of the the first thing, which is the action doesn't work for me. And then other thing is that I felt like a lot of the character motivations here were a bit hard to understand. There's only so far we can go with the power of love compels me because that is such a blanket thematic idea that needs to, you know, have some kind of tangible stakes and understanding rooted within the world that they have created. For me, it's kind of a bit of a trolley problem thing. Like you're telling me you're going to save Trinity and kill everyone else is basically what my main issue I had with the whole thing was because it felt like saving Trinity was just Neo's like, I love this girl. I'm going to save her. Fuck y'all. And that to me was such a weird space Mm -hmm. to be in. Mm -hmm. What must I do with this? So then fuck everyone else. Like the only thing that matters is the love between two individuals. That's it. (laughs) Wilson's nodding like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but what about the rest of the world that you're building out? That to me is a problem. All these kind of things made me feel like the story just was not constructed well enough to really make sense of it. Mm. I'm interested in what people have to say about like how this was a fuck you to the studio that wanted to make Matrix 4 with or without Lana Mm. or Lily Wachowski, right? Which is interesting, but I'll see how a conversation takes us. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, you have the red pill, you have the blue pill, and you have the undecided voter screwing up the American political system. (laughs) That's about five mixed metaphors all at once. Might as well take both. (laughs) I'm hungry. I watched The Matrix Resurrections uh, earlier this week. I unfortunately could not see it in the theater because of Omicron. Omicron. (laughs) I mentioned this on mic in our Bound episode, but we recorded our Matrix episode. And then I said, yeah, I'll see two and three before Resurrections comes out, maybe. And then I proceeded to watch both of them that week. (laughs) It's interesting, Ben, that your friend said that Resurrections is dunking on the Matrix trilogy because in two and three, there's already an established history of deconstructing the prior movies with each go around. When he said dunking on, he doesn't mean like the movie is in a meta way dunking on them. I think he's saying that the movie has made them worse somehow. Oh, quality wise? Like quality wise, like having had watched Mm. Matrix 4, he felt like it brought the whole world down with it. Mm. That makes sense. On that, from criticism and different discussions on this movie that have popped up online, I know that Lana Wachowski has brought a lot of personal feelings and opinions into the construction of this movie. It feels hard to engage with the movie as itself because there is so much interconnectivity to the Matrix, the legacy of the Matrix, the audience of the Matrix, Lana's personal biography, media currently, what it means to identify as trans now. And I feel kind of both of what you are describing. 
where I really, Mm -hmm. really admire the amount of personality and intention in this. And I feel that the movie is attempting to work on multiple levels and it does not always succeed at every level. There will be a moment where it works as a story about these characters and their feelings and their actions. And there will be a moment where it works self-reflectively or on the idea level, the theme level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's both, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's neither, and sometimes it's one or the other. Ultimately, I feel that The Matrix Resurrections is a movie that invites you to project onto it and see what you want to see in it. And maybe that's most Mm -hmm. movies anyway, maybe that's not too hot of a take, but Mm -hmm. I am both interested in its construction as such, I am engaged with it at certain points. I'd say particularly the middle stretch once Neo is sort of past the hemming and hawing of the movie about whether or not it should exist. And we get onto Neo's track and he's sort of woken up into the real world. And there are points when I'm not on board with it, when the movie is very clearly at the beginning trying to tell me things. And I feel that ultimately the ending doesn't perfectly land for me because a message about Mm. respect trinity you jerks only goes so far when the movie is from neo's perspective Mm. and his range of narration for the most part i find it a mixed bag i think it's really interesting i find myself getting very confused about the components particularly smith and the sort of new smith morpheus hybrid how those lock into the metaphor. Mm -hmm. And I've found that I fleetingly understand things more the more I read, but that's not a permanent state. And I kind of go in and out of lucidity on whether or not I am actually following what The Matrix Resurrections is putting down. But I liked watching it, and I think it is a worthwhile contribution to The Matrix trilogy, cocarizing itself, if you will. Like, I definitely see this as very separate from the trilogy. Like, I would say this is sort of like a reflection on the Matrix trilogy. Mm. And I don't know. I, I, I really feel like this is like what you bring into it, like Eli said. It's really like, yeah. what is your personal stake in this, right? For people who have really lo- love this movie and these characters growing up, them being pillars in your love for movies or your love for action filmmaking and it is quite moving to see them again it's hard to not see the cracks in like the action filmmaking like when you put them in direct comparison with the original movie i think it's possible no it's not possible i'm sorry it's not possible (laughs) action filmmaking is not possible every fucking hit cuts every punch cuts to a different angle if you watch tony joe's essay about action comedy with jackie chan he talks about this where like Mm -hmm. american filmmaking loves to cut away from impact Mm -hmm. and every single punch in this Mm -hmm. cuts away from impact the only impact you see is from cgi scenes ah with the airflow coming from neo's hands Mm -hmm. anything that is obviously cgi but anything where it's like two people fighting each other think about the dojo scene in this my problem here is that every time this movie connects two is the old ones and it's telling me to compare this with the old ones. And especially when you do it with the dojo scene, mm-hmm. you compare the dojo scene in the original Matrix, you compare the dojo scene here. The filmmaking in this dojo scene for Matrix 4, none of it works. Like the action is so poorly edited and thought out that it doesn't feel like it's about the action, which is maybe fine, but then what is it about? Then what's the point of reminding me that the Matrix exists, that the original scene is better? Why do this to me? I see it as a both and thing where I, on the one hand, totally agree that the action, direction, staging, framing, and editing is 
distracting and not as immersive here, particularly when you're comparing these two dojo scenes across the movies. Resurrections lacks the tableau, mm-hmm. those moments when you slow down the action, you hold a frame, particularly in the wide, so you can see the composition and where everyone is in the space, and you just let the audience appreciate the moment almost stagnantly for a little bit. In the original Matrix, this was the moment when Morpheus is flying in a crouched position with his arms outstretched above Neo, who's getting himself off of the ground in the bottom left hand of the frame. There's no such moment here. And in none of the action, there isn't that appreciation or inspiration of awe through the use of Tableau in particular. The edit moves very quickly Mm -hmm. in all the action. I find this a little bit disappointing. On the other hand, I also know that Lana Wachowski wanted to go into this with a more improvisational style to feel things out on set. The original Matrix notoriously is very planned and storyboarded in advance because the two directors had to do that in order to earn the budget to convince studio execs that this was worth making. Here's our vision. We see it. In Resurrections, it is both looser and part of Lana's idea that I should be able to do what I want with this story. It's mine. I want to give these characters life again. The action maybe isn't the point at the same time because the text is comparing itself to the original Matrix so hard to the point that it's intercutting images oh, from okay. the old Matrix, a technique I find a little distracting, frankly. Very weird, honestly. It's asking you to compare, it, and yeah. the Resurrections inherently is not giving the same effect in the action, and by some standards is less well-crafted. It's a both-and thing that makes it hard to criticize, but doesn't feel the same. Mm. Like, it is inviting you to compare, but I sort of saw it as like a Jean-Marc Vallée-ian cut-to-memory device that is used and repeated more often as Neo begins to realize that this is not just a work of his own creation, but things that happen to him. His memory. I mean, I'm, I'm like, okay with the whole nesting doll way that Lana is trying to construct the story. In the first maybe 30 minutes, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. Like, I'm okay with thinking of the Matrix trilogy as a video game in the universe. Pew, pew. Like, I can give it a pass for, like, this movie doesn't look like a game. Like, there's all these things that, like, don't make sense. But I can give it a pass because it can kind of work within the Matrix world that they don't see the truth. And I don't know whether the cutting of the original trilogy, like, the images works because it's just, as Eli says, distracting. And it feels like the wrong way to do the memory thing. Or, like, maybe it didn't need this distraction. Mm. Like, maybe we can just talk about it as a video game. We can, like think of it as a video game without having Mm. to see the actual images. Mm. And I guess it helps because some people who are watching Resurrections probably didn't bother rewatching this Mm -hmm. bunch of people and they might need (laughs) that kind of jerk in the memory to like remember things. Yeah, but I I think it's one of the more like ineffective ways that it's trying to bring in the original trilogy into into the mix. Mm. Having that kind of direct comparison Mm. doesn't do Mm -hmm. this movie any favors. I've basically already said this, but just to restate it, when I think about any one moment, technique, performance, anything about the construction of this movie, it makes it hard to think about it purely as my reaction because I find myself placing it alongside knowledge of what the production was like, what Lana must be feeling now. Like, for example, knowing that Lana ultimately decided to sign on to this movie because it was on the heels of the deaths of her parents and a best friend of hers. 
it's both something that earns and deserves the right to do its own thing, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but it makes it hard to have an opinion on it when I know that it is very personal, mm -hmm. which I like it when movies are personal. Another thing that I always tend to like, and I find myself a little bit conflicted on here, is when the movie is critical of its audience, <laughs> maybe for watching, maybe for reacting in certain ways. And The Matrix Resurrections is very heavily in the text <laughs> engaging with the idea that its audience didn't get what the original trilogy was about. Yeah. yeah, that whole montage when they're talking about Matrix 4, right? And what made the original Matrix trilogy great. And then you have people spitballing what they think the matrix was to them probably very reflective of what audiences what they saw in the matrix yes it could be seen as like a little cheesy and a little too on the nose but what is a wachowski film if it's not on the nose <laughs> a lot of discourse is about how this is trying to claim the movie back from rip pillars right hmm. people who like the matrix because like it's about you know like seeing the world for the first time and then in a sense this scene is critical of people who love the matrix for bullet time action explosions and all that but I find that it's a very weird stance to take because these people made you and these are the best parts of your films. Yeah, and this is her purging that. And so she's saying that I don't care about the action in The Matrix, which she pioneered and then she did well. Like, what the fuck's the point of that? Why do that to yourself? So you're saying, oh, I don't care about action. So then you're telling me, okay, fine. I'm now going to credit all the action to Yuan Wuping instead of you because you're telling me you don't care about the action in The Matrix or Revolutions or Reloaded. You only care about love. And I think that's very disrespectful to her own material. It doesn't make sense. Like, what the fuck's the point? I wouldn't say it's <laughs> that she's throwing away the action. Like, I don't think that that's what she's trying to do there, right? Then what is she trying to do? Like, when she says the Matrix isn't about bullet time, isn't about action, then, like, these are things you pioneer. I don't think it's a like clear, like, oh, these characters are saying, like, the Matrix means this, and then <laughs> I am saying that it's not. It's this is what you're taking it as, but this is a movie that I made, and she is trying to tell us what it means to her, right? But she doesn't need to do that to tell people what it means to her. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm okay if it's about love. Like, I'm okay if that's the most important part about The Matrix. But then it's hard to feel like she's slapping her own movies on the face. I feel it's less about slapping the movies than what you said, Ben. It's about an audience that internalized the high points of the matrix as its power fantasy mm -hmm. of your physical strength and ability to rise up is your power rather than your vulnerability and your ability to love is your power mm -hmm. i think that's been a core part of the wachowski's filmography all the way back to bound right we talked about this how mm -hmm. corky and violet are automatically in love deep deep love right off the bat, we had a whole discussion about, is that not a convenience of sorts? But it's something that the Wachowskis just believe in as yeah. a power that yeah. we have as people inherently. Yeah. So when people took the Matrix as about, no, your power is your ability to see past societal BS, man, mm -hmm. and take the red pill, right. Lana wants to use this text to say, no, it's about your love. And furthermore, it's a radically kind thing to Neo and Trinity to say, I'm giving you another shot. This movie is about your love. You're going to get the thing that you want, your ability to love and peace right. now. Okay, you think about it like this, right? You make a feature film that as two women that are still have not publicly transitioned yet, and you make a feature film that is quietly about your own transness, and you release it, and it becomes the biggest action blockbuster in the whole fucking world. 
and you make a trilogy and you are still making it having not publicly transitioned yet and this is a movie that is yours but it's also belongs to a lot of action fanboys while it is the thing that made them right this could be seen to them as a very traumatic thing right if they make something to say something and people don't take it how how they say it Lana realizing through the years that you really gotta say it out loud and fuck like subtext and shit (laughs) you just need really need to say it with your fucking heart Hmm. through both of them transitioning and then also transitioning their own filmmaking style into something that is more free and more direct and just you say what you want to say and really like cut to the chase of, of everything having the chance to be like, I will revisit these characters, and this time, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to make the points that I want to make and get out. It's just so hard for me to not see that pain and freedom, like, and just release that Lana has in this film. Mm-hmm. The new characters that she chooses, like, on the team, not talking about, like, New Smith, but New Morpheus, like, Lexi, Bugsy, like... Bugs is great. The whole team really, like, gave me so, so much joy. Like, I was, like, literally tearing up in the cinema seeing them. Hmm. I'm with you for everything about the intention of this film. And that's kind of, like, touching what Eli's talking about. Where It's hard to talk about this film without talking about the things that relate to the making of this film and to the intention of this film. Mm -hmm. Yes. But at the end of the day, I need to take this film on its own terms. Yes. I need to take what is the sound and image in front of me in the theater. Mm -hmm. Because for most viewers, that's all they have. Mm -hmm. For most viewers, maybe they don't even know that the Wachowskis have transitioned. Mm. They might watch this and not know. Like, especially you look at Singapore. Like, I think most people are not, like, connected to that narrative or to those stories. You know, they don't understand it or they they don't have that kind of exposure to stories about trans identities. So they don't know how that relates to the story of Matrix Resurrections. And so at the end of the day, this is a supposed to be a blockbuster tentpole film or Christmas film, I guess. I don't know. Right now, I haven't heard a single thing where people are giving me something tangible to latch onto as to why they think this is a good movie. I think that new characters are great, but they are there to prop up Neo and Trinity at the end of the day. And Bugs is great, but then also is strangely constructed because in the end, Bugs is also a fanboy or fangirl. And she saves Neo and then she's like, yeah, fuck everything. I just want to help Neo again. Hmm. To me, a lot of these things just are very convoluted and like hard to parse. So once you take the intention out, you just look at the movie as it is, mm-hmm. as it stands. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to grasp onto anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it's about. The big thing we talked about with Matrix in terms of like the way that the Wachowskis tell the story is that they tell the Matrix story despite its subtext with utmost sincerity. And I think that's the thing that Matrix 4 for me is missing. It's missing sincerity mm. because of all the things that Lana is trying to embed within the text. She's trying to say a lot of things with like a sly wink and she is doing a lot of things to the expense of the movie itself Mm. because she's trying to make a point which I think is fine but then that lack of sincerity hurts it I think because then you're saying Wilson that it's about trying to say things 
directly, but then there's so many things it's telling us indirectly. Maybe this film should have been exceptionally clear with what it was doing. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's like doing this subversive thing that is confusing and it's hard to figure out the stance of the movie just by watching it. But like if it wanted to make the fanboys the enemy, just make them the enemy. Right now, they're just like this side thing. The movie's absolutely frustrating the viewer's ability to engage with it solely on its own level. Whereas The Matrix has firm boundaries like a polygon, the edges of The Matrix Resurrections here are very blurry. Mm -hmm. It's purposely bringing in other texts, other ideas, information about Lana's biography and emotions into the movie. And it is a cloudier object that's hard to, as you're saying, Ben, take as just the image and sound that's in the theater. I'm going to half agree with you on the sincerity front. When you get down to deeper into the movie and it becomes about Neo and Trinity's love, for each other and the power of that mm -hmm. and to the earnestness of that to the point that it can power the new matrix. I feel the sincerity there. I don't think it is perfectly communicated partially because the boundaries of this movie are so blurred and it's so meta. And case in point, whenever we're being told the reason for this movie plot-wise existing through the analyst saying mm -hmm. it's because you guys love each other and we have to keep you apart and that power is what keeps the movie going slash the new Matrix going. That's something that's not being shown to us. It's not something that Neo and Trinity are directly saying. The most loud and clear explanation of this phenomena and these emotions is through the antagonist speaking dialogue while the main characters are frozen. I get how this works on the idea level. Mm. I know what that's saying. It's the villain talking down while our heroes are frozen. That metaphor makes sense to me. It is still me being told this is sincere. Mm. Whereas The Matrix shows us in that right. incredible kiss that really shouldn't be plausible as to a kiss bringing Neo back to life. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. But it works because it's electric mm. and we're being shown this thing. There is a lot of telling in this movie. When you talk about making those fanboys the enemy, here's what I wanted to say about the movie being disdainful of its audience, right? I think the movie is making the fanboys the enemy. Just before we started recording, I had to look back at this to make sure I'd seen it right. In that opening scene of the modal that Thomas Anderson creates at the company, where Bugs is in that modal and witnessing the first scene of the original Matrix and saying, something's off here. There is a sign as she's sliding down off the top of the building that says, for those who love to eat shit. <laughs> Literally. It's telling the audience what it likes to eat. <laughs> but more to the point, instead of agents in this movie, there's something called the swarm. Mm -hmm. Anyone and everyone can be an enemy sent and twisted to attack the main characters. I feel that that's talking about the pervasiveness and horror of watching Lana's message about vulnerability and love be twisted into this power fantasy that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It is literally designing the embodiment of the antagonism of this movie against Neo and Trinity into this ever-looming crowd of people. I like this as an idea. I do not like this in execution. Mm. I've said in the original episode on The Matrix that I don't like those sequences when civilians are being killed by the main characters. Mm. I find the train fight very uncomfortable because it is killing civilians, mm -hmm. of course, blah, blah, blah. And I also, especially 
find that motorcycle finale yes. when random civilians are jumping out of buildings to make bombs of themselves mm-hmm. and try to splat down onto Neo and Trinity as they're escaping. This is something that, again, works on the idea level. I see what it's doing about making the crowd the threat. Yeah, Anyone can be this incel red pillar. But it's really violent and uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it lands in the text. If I can speak plainly, essentially it's saying that the swarm can make any person in the Matrix into essentially a suicide bomber. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like literally speaking. Literally. I found that really quite uncomfortable because of the way that they framed the very first instance of that. Really weird. Which is a woman watching her partner running out of the window, which is honestly very tasteless. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. If you had played it as like people are coming out of the windows, then there's like a distance to them. But then they made a new character for that scene to show you the trauma of it, which I guess helps to make it traumatic, but then becomes somewhat tasteless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I really struggle with that choice because... When it first happened, I was like, who the fuck is this person? Why the fuck did her partner just jump out the window? What the fuck's going on? Mm -hmm. It was so dark. And then after a while, oh, here's a thousand bodies flying out of the sky. Now they don't have names. They don't have characters. They're just bodies, you know? And that was something I struggled with as well, yeah. I watched Matrix Resurrections with my parents and girlfriend. I can tell you that when we got to that moment, the mood kind of curdled. We were all like, Mm. uh, what? That was hard to take, (laughs) honestly. Like, I was just, like, confused. It is both making an enemy of the crowd and the way that Lana Wachowski has experienced this perversion of her ideas about love into something that is ugly and hateful online. And it is, as Ben's saying, tasteless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know how I feel about me kind of tearing down this movie. I don't want to, but I need you to give me something here, Wilson. Like, to help me understand this. I, I don't think that anything I'm going to give you... <laughs> the red pill. <laughs> ...is going to change your mind about this movie. I think the strongest thing that I could give you is the Neo and Trinity romance. And, mm-hmm. and Keanu and Carrie Ann's performances in this yeah especially the scenes where they're acting like across from each other Mm. that is the heart of the original trilogy and also the heart of this movie and the first two conversations before trinity gets like thrown into the whole analyst controlling when she's gonna die or not and the stakes getting like super raised i think those first two conversations where they meet each other as thomas and tiffany and she questions him about the the game and the character that he wrote, which was Trinity. Oh, I, I don't know, man. That was like a, <laughs> like a fucking stellar, stellar, stellar scene. And that was a scene where I think the flashbacks really worked in that. Mm. They do have pretty electric chemistry. I feel there's far too little of it in the movie. Yeah. I really wanted to see more Carrie Ann Moss because she's, she's great on screen. Yeah. The best highlight standout sequence for me is that simulate confrontation when there's so many people it's like this big crowd the action's going down and it's all centered on the major dramatic question of are neo and trinity going to get to each other Mm. i really like that sequence it meshes everything that's when the meta level works that's when the engagement in the movie as itself works i'm following the emotion i'm following the ideas I think that sequence is my favorite part of the movie. And when she says, don't call me that, I 
always hated that man. Don't fucking <laughs> call me that name. Yeah. To her husband, Chad, who is played by Chad. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> who is Keanu's stunt double. Yeah. In the original and director and, in yeah. uh, John Wick. And John Wick. Yeah. Sometimes I think about the movie, I'm like, when you look at it from certain angles, the fact that this movie exists in the way it, it does is miraculous because this is such a weird Matrix 4 movie and I have to give it some credit for being that weird. Better weird than dull. That's true. But I think it feels like this is the furthest that Lana could do it so that Warner Brothers would release the film. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much this movie wants to poke fun at Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers owns this. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to put out anything that's going to hurt them. Honestly, if I was Lana Wachowski and I wanted to really take this, I would blow up the Matrix, like the entire concept. Because even 50 years from now, when Lana Wachowski is in the ground, I don't know, they're going to make Matrix 7, 8, 9, 10. They're going to do it. They don't give a fuck, Mm. right? She cannot stop that. Mm. This is maybe, I mean, to its credit, a protest against that. No matter what, when fanboys in the 3000s are talking about the 50 Matrix movies, they'll look at Matrix 4 and be like, why is it so weird? They have to regard it. Like, they will have to consider it as a Matrix film. Considering that it's being made by the original people who made the Matrix. So then I have to give it credit for that. But in the end, it has been defanged because it is still owned by a corporation. Like, I find it ironic that people are using this to fight against Marvel when this is also made by a big corporation that wants to make money. I find that comparison between this and No Way Home to be very strange because in the end, it's the same. They're all monoliths of the industry. They're all trying to make money. Everyone's trying to make money. It doesn't really help this movie trying to use that argument in its defense. It can only be this way because I think if it were to go any further, the movie wouldn't be made in this way. Lana wouldn't be allowed to make anything more critical of itself. Mm -hmm. I don't think she could push that through. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of like my way of kind of figuring out why it is the way it is and why it doesn't work for me and like kind of justifying it for myself. But I mean, I believe it. (laughs) This is definitely the last Matrix film that any Wachowski is going to make, though. Yeah. Yeah. Tune back in next week for The Matrix 5. (laughs) The Matrix Redo. Sorry I'm doing this to you, Wilson. I feel like I'm hurting you physically somehow. That's what I feel like I'm doing. (laughs) Through the Matrix, digitally attacking (laughs) Wilson. I will go to bat for this movie as much as I can. Like I said earlier, I do think that this is a really like person. It's just like a really personal film to me, and I like don't mm. think that mm-hmm. in the way that I or a value system in terms of like rating movies, like it is. It's, uh... <laughs> Ratings are stupid. Yeah, yeah, it is stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> I just know that this is like a movie that meant a lot to me this year, and also mm. like, I don't think that this is gonna like fade that much in memory. Yeah, compared to a lot of other movies that I, I've seen this year. That's the other thing is that knowing how many people had that same personal connection to the Matrix Resurrections that Wilson had, I'm glad it exists for that reason alone. Like, it should inspire a lot of emotion and catharsis because that's what Lana is putting into it, Mm -hmm. clearly. Even with its components that I don't fully understand or feel uncomfortable by, it still is a worthwhile piece of art. And... Maybe all movies are what you bring into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what people say in 10 years. <laughs> I don't know. People might reassess them like they did with 2 and 3. I was surprised by 2 and 3 being so dunked on when they came out. 
They might not be incredible, but they're good. They're fine. Yeah. Two's incredible. Two's my favorite. Two's incredible. Like three's pretty good. Three's okay. Three's like pretty fucking good. Yeah, like it's okay. Like it's not the best action movie, but it's okay. If you don't like the Zion stuff, like yes, three is definitely not the movie for you because it's yeah. like sixty <laughs> percent of it is like people getting killed in this war. But like when you take it on those terms, like if you're not not looking for Matrix stuff, then it's like yeah, it's a yeah. not bad, but like middle of the road movie about robots shooting at robots which is a thing that's a that's a genre <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's called real steel with hugh jackman <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah i'm surprised we'll see what people say in 10 years we'll see okay we'll check back in then we'll tune back in like if anything it's gonna be remembered for being this weird thing within the blockbuster season yeah which i think is not a bad thing so in conclusion yaya abdul mateen the second is a dang movie star. Oh my God, what a hottie. He what, is. Uh, uh, what a king. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Kind of wish he had more to do not being a bunch of nanobots. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Cut. Please rate and review because that helps us keep making the show. Be sure to subscribe to us where you listen to podcasts so you'll know when our next episode drops. Keep up with Deep Cut on Twitter and Instagram at Deep Cut Pod. Join us to talk about movies on our Discord server, to which you'll find a link in the description. Thank you to Justina Yam for our beautiful artwork. I'm Wilson. I'm Ben. I still know Kung Fu. (laughs) I'm Eli. Take care, and we're looking forward to talking about more movies with you next time. So I also have been listening to more podcasts, but increasingly just ours. Our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we're finishing up a series on a director, I tend to say like, and I'm excited to see what they do next. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You say that every time. Every time. (laughs) I got to break that. You can say that two times today, Eli. (laughs) I'll just complete your sentence for you when you're about to say it. No, don't let me say it.